The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and today we have a bit of a special segment and special guest. Welcoming back once again to the Vault Classic Music Reviews. I sat down recently with very good friends of the show, none other than Khalil Wonder and Agard of the Reggae Lover Podcast. One of my favorite pods out there, obviously, those of y'all who are longtime listeners of the show listened last year as Khalil and I chopped it up over a guest lounge episode. And then also did a review last year of Capleton's More Fire and also Buju Bantan's Till Shiloh. Well, I'm working on them both back again this year, and we got a good review coming up. Another reggae album, something that is turning 30 years old this year, so I wanted to make sure that I had my guys in the building. Shout out to them and all of their fans, and of course, all the work they put in for reggae music and culture as always. So I sat down with them to talk about this album, and here's how the conversation went. And joining us here with the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast... Some brethren of mine had to make sure that if I was going to do an album like this today, I wanted to make sure that I brought them on because they're the experts. And of course, I'm talking about none other than Khalil Wanda and Agard of the Reggae Lover podcast worldwide. The authorities, I say, on reggae and exclusively, especially on sound sound clash culture here on the internet um we definitely we linked up last year i was on their show last year they did a feature segment khalil and i did a couple of reviews last year we also did a guest lounge so i wanted to make sure that when i had them on for this review that we got together and we linked up man fellas how are y'all good good real good today yeah man thanks for having us on once again i can't believe it's been like over a year yeah man yeah (laughs) Yeah, Khalil, I remember we when we did our guest lounge last year, we were doing it right around the same time. Matter of fact, I think it was on the same day of Beanie and Bounty Killers versus, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's literally been like about a year since the first time we linked up, you know what I'm saying? Y'all have definitely done a, some great things on a regular level podcast for those of y'all who were listening. Uh, Khalil and Agard actually just wrapped up their latest season here on Regular Lover. If you haven't subscribed to the Reggae Lover Podcast and you can see yourself a love of reggae music and culture, please make sure you go check it out. They do an excellent job of covering everything of things of what are going on in the industry. They have great interviews, you know, great, great insight overall. And uh, for those of y'all who are not familiar with Sound Class Culture, 
Um, as I was not too familiar with it, I definitely found it not only informative, but also entertaining as well. So thanks y'all again for coming on. Glad to have y'all on. And of course, you know, we're here. It's what we do here on The Vault. We do classic albums. What we have here in front of us today is going back 30 years. And going back 30 years to an album that really, to me, I think, helped to shift the attitude towards uh, dancehall music and reggae music for the better part of this last 30 years. And we're talking about none other than Shabba Ranks, The Emperor, as raw as ever, 30 years ago, released on May 21st, 1991 on Epic Records. Runtime of 44 minutes and 35 seconds. Producers on here, you know them well. Steely and Cleavy, of course, but most notably, and uh, listening to this last you all last year and uh, reading about this, but the late great Bobby Digital, um, also a producer on this as well. Um, KRS-One doing production on this as well. He featured on a track here with uh, Shaba The Jam. 12 tracks, 44 minutes, 30 years later, of a Shaba as raw as ever. And um, I definitely wanted to make sure that I got you, Khalil Agard, on here to talk about this album. I was very young. I was only about nine to 10 years old when this album came out. I remember it distinctly, though, because my sisters were really, really big, big fans of reggae and my cousins were big fans in dancehall reggae. And I, as we talked before, my family in Grenada, you know, we were definitely more into, my parents were more into Soka and Calypso and the old school uh, reggae, but not really too much into dancehall. I wanted to sort of bring you all on to get your perspective, considering, you know, your subject matter and you all being, as I like to say, experts on the culture. And just to, you know, sort of preference before I get to you all, at that time, dance hall really wasn't, I think, wasn't a big thing in the in the U.S. at that time. And as far as commercially, it wasn't something that was something that, okay, that radio program directors were looking to put on the radio that would get spins and people would request because they didn't think that nobody was checking for it. It was a very small audience. So they thought, so I really thought this went a long way in changing the conversation. So I just wanted to get your uh, opinions. And when you first heard this album around that time where you were, and then when you listened to it, what you thought about it. And um, you know, obviously this wasn't Shabba's first album, but it was really the first one that he broke out outside of really the dance hall culture in Jamaica and really making waves, especially in the United States with this. So I'll take either one of y'all, just your opinions on thinking back to when that album first came out, what you thought. Khalil, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first because you, you were here, you know, for it. <laughs> yeah, man. So, I, so I, I listened to this album this week again. And first of all, um, my first, I guess, experience with this album wasn't necessarily as an album, so this time I was I was living in Brooklyn, you know, I was young, you know, mm -hmm. preteen mm -hmm. <laughs> as you were. I just remember distinctly the sounds of like Volvos, Maximas, <laughs> you know, Toyota Cressidas, yeah. you know, with the with the the equalizers and the crossovers in the system, like real crystal clear sound systems that used to be in cars, like not the rattling stuff, like just yeah. deep, smooth bass. And mm. every car seemed to be playing Shaba, mm -hmm. you know, um, particularly, you know, the first song, you know, Trailer Load of Girls, you know, I just remember hearing some of these tracks on the radio. And later on, I, I did get the cassette. But I just remember just the, the feeling in Brooklyn. It was like summertime. Everybody was playing. The bass was pumping. And yeah, like you said, it was a, a, a sort of a revolutionary album. And the crazy thing for me is growing up in New York, you know, Shabba was such a, a presence 
that it's only later on that I realized that the rest of the country, you know, wasn't really into reggae like that. Because, mm. you know, growing up in the Caribbean community, yeah. you know, it was all about Shaba Ninja Man around this time. This is when, you know, Mad Cobra's coming out, you yeah. know. So, yeah, man, this is a good time. And I, I, I definitely remember just the, the feeling of summer when I listened to this album. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I think I have similar feelings as well. Describing the vehicles, yeah, <laughs> the Maximus, yeah, that was the main thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Cressidas. Like my sister had a '91 Civic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like <laughs> one of like the first one of the first models they had out, and she had the Pioneer speakers in the back. And like you said, just that not the rattling bass, but the just clear, crisp, deep bass sound. Like that's what I remember yeah. a lot as well, man. So, Khalil, what about you? Okay, so for me. Um, 1990 is the year that I, you know, came to Brooklyn, um, from Kingston. I didn't have this album at all. Um, so I can't say that, you know, I, I was rocking the album, um, you know, as it's presented, mm-hmm. but I do remember like Agard was saying the, the presence, like the effect that Shaba had, um, mm-hmm. you know, so some of my memories, of course, the trailer loader girls, you know, that's just one of the biggest songs yeah. <laughs> of the time. It's still one of the biggest songs, super popular song. And so I just remember hearing that, like, that was definitely one of the soundtrack, you know, songs. That's one of the anthems yeah. of that era, for real. That song just stands out as being, like, a very timeless. You know, it was, like, kind of a little bit more modern than the rest of the album, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Somehow, although it's it's still like rooted in that 90s dance hall vibe. So, you know what I mean? Like it didn't it's not an 80s song. It's quintessentially a 90s dance hall song, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Um so that kind of stamps that album just that first single for me. And then, you know, the of course the Maxi Priest and Shaba. Yeah. You know, is another one which we'll we'll get to that one. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, definitely. Um, my memories on this, as I stated, and um, I was growing up in the D.C. area that we had a, a a sizable West Indian population here. So we were sort of on to us, especially the, the Caribbean community were on to a lot of the reggae and dancehall hits before it really got to the public. Of course, most of us had sort of known about Shaba, my older sisters and them, but I really be it finding out about Shaba really in depth was really like you, like the two of you are trailer loader girls in the video specifically, you know, it really, to me was um, something how I knew that it was different when I saw the way, how not how like my peers and my sisters and their peers reacted to it was the way that how our parents reacted to it, you know, because, you know, like I said, my parents were used to a certain type of reggae and this reggae, they were not rocking with it, you know? And, but, what I did notice is that it wasn't just us in the Caribbean community really rocking with it. It was the American folks too, that were rocking with it too. Like I remember like even back then, as little as I was, I remember it was one guy sort of hanging out with my sisters and her friends. And he was like, yo, I don't know, you know, what the hell shot, what this dude Shaba be saying, whatever he's saying though, I, I, I rock with it, you know? And that was really the, the mentality a lot of Americans had when listening to reggae, they didn't necessarily understand everything what was being said, but the rhythms, though, was what really what caught them and the vibe and everything was what caught them. So you sort of roll into this. And to me, 
I, I started noticing that after this album came out, you started hearing more reggae on the radio. And that was my primary source of being able to listen to music. And then after you hear Shaba, then you start seeing more cats come out. Like you were saying, Agard, seeing the Mad Cobras and eventually seeing uh, Buju start to emerge on the scene. You start seeing cats like Shaggy. The next thing you know, you're seeing Shaka Demas and Pliers and then Don Penn. All these like reggae hits are started starting to cross over and into the American mainstream. So that's really why my memories was the fact that it kind of really started to jumpstart this reggae and dance hall sort of infusion into the American culture. And I was, a lot of people sort of really adapted to it. My other part, I guess my uh, (laughs) reactions to it was, is that this was really, I think the first time that a lot of us in America started to like really start seeing dance hall culture and then seeing like where reggae music was going in regards to how dance hall was starting to becoming a lot more slack, like the slackness, you know, Shaba talks about on here on track number two, that, you know, it didn't it start or exist just then, but it really was, I think more so a culture shock. The fact that the music was talking, it was explicit when it came to talking about sex and, and gun talk and, and bad ting and stuff like that. So you really start to see that start to come in. So you're seeing another side of reggae to what our parents saw. And as reading a lot of the articles about this album, it sort of tells me that, you know, they were speaking to a reality that was different than necessarily what our parents' generation grew up with. But a lot of good times listening to this, and especially hearing it through the systems and um, hearing it. My vehicles, though, especially down here, was more... We had people and, and you know, Pathfinders and, you know, um, Trailblazers and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like Tahoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tahoes with the big, big subwoofers in the back. So, yeah, nah, I definitely understand that. So just so we can go into the album as far as your highlights. Um, y'all talked about a couple of the tracks, man, but whoever wants to go starting with the highlights. Yeah, um, I really think for me, there's... Um, not like a lot of highlights for the, this album. Personally, mm. it's mm. it's like three tracks, you know, maybe four or five that could really, you know what I'm saying, get played like that. But mm-hmm. it, uh, it's Trailer Little Girls, um, which I already touched on. Um, the House Call featuring Maxi Priest. You know, that song still gets played till today. Hmm. Yeah. And then it's the jam featuring KRS-One. Those would be my highlights. Um, you know, looking on the, the notes here, I see that um, Stephanie Mills was on that song as well, somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and that, the jam, you know, the original lyric for that is um, another Shabarank song, which I guess was like a previous song. That's an even more like hardcore tune. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think this whole thing, I feel like it's more of, uh, Agar, it's more of your vibe. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you say? Yeah, well, so, like, you know, the, the standout songs are obviously Trail of the, the same songs that you mentioned, Trail of the Girls, House Call, um, The Gem. However, this is an album where I feel like a lot of the songs are what they like kind of album cuts in a sense, mm. you know, where it's um, a little bit of social commentary, you know, like you said, where does the slackness come from, where Shaba's kind of defending himself in like, you know, the court of public opinion, so to speak, yeah. as to like, yo, it's always been here, but, you know, he's speaking to a time where artists are dropping, you know, the euphemisms and double entendres and really 
starting to talk raw and real, yeah. which was happening in the sound system culture by that time. However, you know, it may not have made, made it to a lot of recordings. You know, even the Woman Tangle uh, track, mm-hmm. you know, seriously, it, <laughs> this is a weird take, you know, listening so many years later yeah but it's kind of like a feminism type tune you know mm, yeah because <laughs> it's it's talking about you know fellas treating their women a certain way and if they don't treat them a certain way you know it's like it's like the slackness but then it's the, still the respect yeah okay. um yeah you know stuff like gone up <laughs> <laughs> you know the talking about the economy of uh, uh i don't know uh, what, what they call it in jamaica you know the what, what is it backstreet <laughs> um, um, you know, but so for me, a lot of these tracks are not necessarily, you know, things that I'll play out as a DJ, but there are tracks that I would listen to. And it's kind of like a snapshot of the moment, you know, yeah. that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I think I got a similar feel listening to this this past week. Um, it's probably been the first time that I listened to it, like from track one through track 12 in quite a long time. Uh, I, I sort of have the similar, similar feeling to you all. Obviously my highlights are of course, trailer loaded girls. And to me, I, what I remember about that is the track itself. It's, it's an incredible track, but then it's, you know, the video as well, really what I remember too, because that was the first time I saw like a dance hall artist have a video like on the box, you know, which where we used to see most of our music videos back in the day. We would sit and watch it all day long. House Call with Maxi Priest is um, a track that has become, I think for me, surprisingly, such a big hit even 30 years after it's come out. In retrospect and in hindsight, looking at it, obviously it had great crossover appeal. You guys interviewed Maxi Priest last year on Reggae Lovers. Him being from the United Kingdom, Shaba being from Jamaica and being a dancehall artist. But that that song has had incredible staying power over those these last 30 years. Um, and still, like you said, Khalil, still gets played a lot now when you're out. Uh, but other tracks for me, obviously, being a hip-hop fan, I love the jam uh, featuring KRS-One. Uh, KRS-One's been, at that point, a hip-hop veteran. Um really starting to come into the 90s, really, I guess, at that point, starting to find the new identity for himself as well. An interesting thing, along with Stephanie Mills being on here, is another artist that helped to produce this track alongside KRS-One was Mad Lion. So, you know, lots of collaboration on that track there as well. Some of the other tracks, though, I did find very interesting, as you mentioned, um, Agard, what you said also about with Women Tangle and then also with Gone Up, but... A hilarious one to me as well is uh, Fisaris. You know, it's just the the subject matter <laughs> is that you yeah. you know just uh, the subject matter. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so that by listening I, to my, it, my eyebrows raised when yeah. I heard that one again too. I was like, what? <laughs> like you know, take your private out your fist, your nastiness. <laughs> it's just like it's just just funny though, man. Um, like you said, a lot of like album cuts on here though. Not really anything that, you know, we were used to being able to see when you see standout reggae albums, you you know, see like at least uh, the ones that we've seen more recently in these last 20, 25 years or so, at least probably a good three to four, maybe even five singles that would come out as a result of that. And Mm -hmm. with here, you just didn't really have a whole lot of um, album singles. It would be, like you said, tracks that you would play as the course, as the album sort of playing along. But if you're a DJ or something that you're seeking out, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go to this track right here because this is this is what's going going to set it off, you know. So a a little surprised by that And, and being as though that I didn't listen to this that recently until leading up to this week. 
but interesting content nonetheless. Um, I do think like some of the subject matter he touched on with this, and it's a wide variety of them. And in particular, uh, coming out of Trittolo to go girls and listening to where the, where does the slackness come from? I I thought it was interesting though because he was like everybody makes it think as though slackness is coming from me, but it's not. You know, <laughs> like I didn't invent slackness; it didn't come from me. You know, this is this is real and this is raw, which is. Also similar to something he said in a lot of interviews leading up, I read something in the Chicago Tribune in 93 and did an interview with him and he said, listen, dance hall is a reflection of what our youth and our reality, their reality is right now in Jamaica, in the United States, in Canada, in England, wherever. That's what the reality is. So th- those are my highlights. Not necessarily anything as far as any lowlights per se, but I just don't know if I would necessarily... Um, take any of these tracks really and um and and the majority of them and like seek them out to play them like even a mix or something but um let me ask you all this in regards to more so the impact um of this uh album and what it did to dance hall in the u.s what what do you all think uh, what is your take on the impact that it had in regards to helping to be able to break down the door um, and what happened like shortly afterwards like this is the early 90s and like what w- just give me your take on that well, um, I think first of all, the the production on this album, the production value, um, and some of the choices they made, like you know, I know we talk about the Maxi Priest, you know, house call, but a lot of the production was of the times, and it was it was um, a little bit ahead of the times in a sense, mm. you know, um, in terms of dance hall, and I'm just talking about the the instrumentation and how it's mixed. So I think that added to the value of you know the dance hall genre itself it you know because i mean before this and since like you said a lot of albums that come out from artists are songs that have been tested already in the dance hall community mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a compilation so they know that they're big songs whereas this you know some of his lyrics may have been you know said before however the production is is new at the time mm-hmm. and i think that did a lot for you know seeing how dance hall can cross over especially with you know this early 90s sound you know at this time what you have like groups like in vogue and you know those yeah. those yeah. types of groups and like th- like how a song like house call can be played you know in that segment with like an in vogue or a soul to soul, you know, which is a you know a British group that, you know, was also crossing over of you yeah. know Caribbean heritage. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, I think the impact w- um, for me was on the production, the quality of the production, and you know the way that the sound carried across. You know, that's that to me, as well as Shaba's deep voice, yeah. is why it's so appealing. I feel like to a broader audience. Yeah. Khalil? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this album, it is a very kind of special work because looking at it from, like, a American standpoint, it kind of feels like a hip-hop project. Mm. Even though it's, obviously, it's authentically Jamaican dancehall music. I think you're getting, like, you know, lyricism, you're getting different thesis statements from the artist, different essays that he's penned, you know what I'm saying, with mm-hmm. talking about different things um, on each individual track. So there's a certain uniqueness, like there's a juxtaposition of different styles, trailer loader girls, dance hall, mm-hmm. you know, house call is more soul, R&B, lovers rock. 
and then you have the jam on there. And I'm just calling those out because those are the three that we mentioned already that we think are the big singles. Yeah. Uh, this album did break into the U.S. charts, um, was a number one R&B album of 1991. Mm -hmm. So it was on the top R&B and hip-hop albums, Billboard chart, hit number one. That was the peak position yeah. um, in 89 on the Billboard Top 200. So in terms of the year-end charts, it finished you know, in the 52nd and 63rd positions in 91 and 92 on the R&B hip-hop albums chart. So that just kind of tells me that you don't necessarily need four, five, six singles yeah. on an album. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Of course. Like, I yeah. think people think about the fact that, you know, you have to have, like, this album full of smash hits. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you know, maybe you just need one <laughs> song that's going to get radio airplay and exactly. then and have a good video. And, you know what I'm saying, that might be enough. Yeah. So I don't know if this actually translates to nowadays, but I think there's things that you can learn from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, how, I mean? that's how it was back then. Mm -hmm. Back then you just had, you know, two, three singles Goals. and the rest was, yeah. you know, just for the audience's enjoyment, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not definitely. Um, I, I think that that um, that production style of reggae and they, we talked about this in this article, how. You know, ever since 85, when, you know, we first heard the sling tang rhythm. And after that, it was like dance hall going to these using a lot of digital sampling and using electronic percussion and drum machines and things like that really kind of laid the framework. And to me, it's it's a little outdated, I guess, for today concern. But to me, I think to me, simplicity was better because, you know, when you listen to a lot of those tracks, I really get that. I really get that feeling of unique and authentic dance hall. You know what I'm saying? Well, people may have looked at that sampling back then who were making music in the 60s and 70s with full bands and everything else and saying that that was somehow bastardizing the genre. Then you then get those who were sort of using that and building the foundations of what dance hall was in the 80s and the 90s to what dance hall is nowadays, you know, and how it's, it's very shiny, very, you know, it's, it's the, the electronic production has moved to a quite yet another level where, you know, the music even sounds so much better. Like now it's like, you don't even get rhythms anymore. I mean, the rhythms have almost like, not going to say non-existence, but they're definitely not as prominent as they were during this time when this album came out. I, I think it was big. I mean, partially because one, Shaba had a presence on the on the mic as a DJ. You know what I'm saying? His lyrics were were great. Um, the music was was sort of hypnotic to a certain extent, I guess you could say. And it was something that people sort of, I guess, grabbed onto. And when you have a DJ that has a presence on the mic, he's probably, I would say, one of the few of his time of his era that could command a presence like that on the mic with uh, his voice and his, you know, presence, you know what I'm saying? The lyrics and everything really sort of taking everything into one. He's probably about a handful of those who would have that type of presence back then. Yeah. Yeah. Shaba is the type of artist. He doesn't have to really say anything yeah. of, of substance actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> because of the voice. But, but I mean, he does, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, reading this, they were, uh, uh, sort of talking about they were saying like uh, in this article this is Chicago Tribune which we'll have in the show notes they talk about that um, reggae's new attitude and they talked about pretty much how you go from the times of of uh, Marley and Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler and going from that to going into dance hall culture and how different it was in regards to 
dealing with the different era of reggae, reggae fans and people who loved reggae music, you know, and how it went from reggae sort of being this thing that, you know, uh, that hip white people like to call it something that they said that they were fans of to where it become really a, something that became a big urban phenomenon to where now it's crossed over to the point where it's worldwide now, you know, it's in every, you know, livable continent that you can think about. There's a reggae culture that exists somewhere. So yeah, man, I, I think that's, um, that's the biggest thing I think for me with this album is the legacy more so than anything else. In regards to track list, both of y'all would have to say, would you say that, that uh trailer load is your favorite, favorite song of this or is it another one? Yeah, I would say trailer load, man. Yeah. I, I actually lean towards House Call uh, a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, for nostalgia purposes, Trailer Load definitely, you know, that that is a snapshot in time for me. Yeah. But, you know, musically, sonically, I like House Call. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I'd listen to House Call now or play it more so than Trailer Load, but yeah, I still think that Trailer Load is like, you know, like I was saying, it, it stands out as being uh, one song that represents the era like really yeah. well. Yeah. Quintessential dance hall, basically, yeah. Yeah. And as a selector, Khalil, that's a song that you go to maybe if you're trying to if you're trying to warm up, you know, like the trailer yeah. load. Yeah. Trailer load for me is it's only it it would be like I'll reserve it for commercial settings mm-hmm. more so. Got it. Got it. Okay. You know what I mean? Because as far as Shaba goes. You know, he has a lot more yeah. songs that would connect better with the dancehall um, artists. Dance hardcore dancehall. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. True, man. Cool. Well, so now we're going to get to the final test, as we always do, um, to tell us what you think about it. You think this is a certified classic, a borderline classic, a classic just for his time, or not a classic at all? So I'll take either one of y'all. What do y'all think? And then, of course, we also do a rating. So about how how strongly you feel about it. Is it a, a 7 out of 10? 7, you don't feel that strongly on your rating, or 10, you feel absolutely strong about it? Does it stand the test of time? Um, for me, it, I think it does. Mm-hmm. I, I think it does because, you know, it's not like I listen back to this album and there's anything that I would say stands out as being a miss. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people might have criticisms about the lyr- lyrical content or some of the topics. Um, however, when it comes to, you know, the presence of Shaba, the production, how it was engineered and mixed down to like some of the rhythms, like I, I really think it does stand the test of time. And I think it is, uh, I th- for me, an appropriate representation of, I guess, a little bit more commercially what was representative of Dancehall at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, got it. Okay. And Khalil, what about you? Yeah, this this period is not my favorite period at all. Um mm-hmm. in you know, in terms of this music. Um, I'd have to say that mm-hmm. as my, you know, kind of caveat to this, but I'd still say, you know, considering that um the album still does stand the test of time, you know, the way that it's arranged, it has you know, it hits you right off the top with the big hit. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, you go through some other singles, you know, that really paint a, a more complete picture of the artist. And then it sprinkles in the next hit collab and then, you know, kind of goes on in that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's classic enough to say uh, it does stand the test of time, even though it's not my favorite period. Like, and, when I, and I say that because, like, I'm just not pulling out. 
a lot of dance hall and reggae from the 19 from 1990 and 91 and mm. 92 you know generally like I prefer the mid to late nineties. Yeah. And then I prefer like the, the mid eighties. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I definitely, I understand that. I, it, it could be times that we all definitely appreciate more. I think I'm more on the, uh, the wavelength of you all. I'm more of mid to late nineties into the early two thousands, but like only to like maybe like Oh two or Oh three. And then after that point, I think it gets kind of, the scene gets kind of cloudy for me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, in terms of me, I do think this is a classic in its time. I think production-wise, sonically, it's pleasing to listen to. I think um, Shaba, as I said, has a presence, and that presence really sort of establishes him as a as a dominant figure on on records. And uh, he really kind of laid the foundation for that for a lot of people. I think it was to me. I think it was easy for um, a lot of why a lot of American people, I think, sort of grabbed onto Shaba as sort of like their first, their first like reggae superstar that they really were drawn to. Like speaking to a lot of my friends who are American, you know, and telling them like, you know, they're asking me about the pod and I'm telling me I'm about to do Shaba's album. And, you know, they, of course, first thing when they go to Shaba is, is, isn't even anything on this. It's, it's, you know, ting a ling a ling and, and, and Mr. Loverman, obviously, you know what I'm saying? So, but they always tell me, everybody I talk to says, you know, my American friend said that he was the first dance hall artists they really got into so but I, I do say it's a classic in its time um as you all say when you go through shaba's catalog there are um um songs and maybe even projects that you probably point to more than this album as well but i do think legacy plays a part into this and i think that the impact plays a part into it as well so uh this album the first uh, dance hall album to win best reggae album at the grammys as well and he did it two years in a row he did it with this and then also did it with extra naked um the following year at the Grammys. so i i think the impact and the legacy does play a part in it so but i will say at least classic in its time not really anything that you feel that you would you would skip or or any low lights per se but i do think the shaba has better material out there throughout his catalog so there we have it shaba ranks as raw as ever 30 years ago this year make sure you go listen to it it's a relatively easy and short listen it's really a car ride if you're heading somewhere about 45 minutes away that you can listen to and i think you'd be pleased at least listening to it so make sure y'all definitely go check it out and obviously want to thank my guest here uh khalil and also agard of the reggae lover podcast just want to give you all a chance to sort of shout out the podcast let us know what you all have coming up and let the people know where they can find the pod on social media and then what else you guys have going on in regards to websites or anything else yeah man give thanks joe um really appreciate you inviting us to come do this you know what i'm saying and, and chop it up about the big man the shaba you know mm-hmm. yeah um Everybody listening, please visit reggaelover.com and there you can find all of our links. Reggae Lover Podcast is available everywhere podcasts are available. Just wrapped up season seven of the show and we'll be forwarding back with a new season very soon. So coming soon, you know, bigger and better things and um, including video um, on the YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out and um yeah cool and then yeah yeah i just want to say thanks for having us on you know this is my first time on the show even though khalil's been here a few times you know so i really really do appreciate it and I'm 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 gonna give a little Shaba commercial right now okay (laughs) (laughs) so i know we just did you know 
this album, but my favorite Shaba, I know you didn't ask this, but my favorite Shaba album packed with a bunch of hits for me is a year prior, Just Reality. Mm. So anybody who mm-hmm. is not familiar with Shaba, you know, who wants to really, really feel this era, you know, go to Just Reality. It was uh, released in 1990, and that to me is even more reminiscent of this time period, you yeah. know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's that, my favorite one yeah. too. Actually. Yeah, I, I think those of us who are Shaba fans, that might be most of our favorites. Uh, that 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 signature track on there, of course, is Dembo, which it's the legacy for that song. Dembo is long, just even just beyond just the, that album. That pretty much the rhythm that came from that is the foundation of what you got now. Know was reggaeton, so. You True. know, yep. you know, definitely uh, big ups to that for Agard. So Khalil Agard, let us know where they can find Reggae Lover Pod on social media and then where y'all are on social media, too, as well, if you don't mind. Yeah, man, it's uh, so Khalil knows this better. <laughs> 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 Shout out the, the the social medias, Khalil. Yo, um, sure. On, on Facebook, there is a uh, growing page with lots of content. It's at Reggae Lover Podcast. On Instagram, it's at Reggae Lover Podcast. On Twitter, it's at Reggae Lover Pod. And, of course, as I mentioned, ReggaeLover.com. You can find all the links there to listen to the show or, or link to your favorite podcast apps. Search us on Google. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Um, hit us up, Reggae Lover Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah. Brian, thanks again. Appreciate you having us on, man. Yeah, man. Big up. Yeah, man. Big up. Yes, I appreciate having y'all on here. And just so that you all know, in regards to the type of quality you're getting on Reggae Lover Podcast, um, you get a lot of great interviews. I mean, some of the interviews they've done just, just, just over the past year or so with uh, Steve Urchin Williams, with Macca B., uh, they've had also an interview as well. Like I said, they did an interview with Maxi Priest sometime last year. Also an interview, I believe, as well. Y'all did one with Spraga, too, as well, right? That's not too long ago? No, we didn't um, actually um, interview Spraga on okay. this on that platform, um, though we have on um, Prior Works. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, did a, we did a full album review of Spraga's latest album. So that's, that was the Spraga feature. Yeah, indeed. And but um, we've had guests like Leela IK. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have guests on from different, uh, you know, from the UK and from Africa and people doing reggae in different parts of the of the world. You know, we have just discussion topics covering, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion. So if you're into the reggae and dancehall culture, you know, we talk to things and we invite guests and listeners to submit the feedback and um, topics they'd like to hear us talk about questions they'd like to hear us answer on the air and things of that nature as well so yeah indeed yeah Yeah, make sure that y'all definitely um go check that out and of course this month that we're running into is caribbean american heritage month june so big up to all the people that are part of the caribbean community across across the nation and across the world Make sure y'all definitely check us out and big up as well to the uh, Caribbean uh, podcast directory. Big up to Carrie Ann Reed Brown as well. And all those folks doing great things at Breadfoot Media. So uh, make sure y'all go check all that out. So Khalil, a God, thanks again, man. Um, we'll link up soon. I know we got uh, Bone to Killers, my experience coming up and also Maestro coming up later on this year. So we'll definitely chop it up whenever y'all are ready. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just right. send the link. Yes, sir. Put the bat symbol in the air. <laughs> yes, sir. And there you have it. Big shout out once again to Khalil and Agard of the Regular Lover Podcast. Make sure y'all checking them out 
on all the platforms, of course, as well, where you can get podcasts and follow the website links and check them out as well on social media. Make sure you go follow them and listen up, man. They're going to have a new season coming up real soon and check their back catalog. Definitely pleased to have those guys and can't wait to have them back once again. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the link in any one of our social media pages to our bio, in there you'll find our link tree with all of our social media sites and also all of our streaming sources. Again, you can get to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube you can search The Vault classic music reviews podcast go ahead and subscribe to the youtube page like the facebook page as well check us out on social media shout us out let us know what you think we do it here all for you we appreciate the support and if you have a friend tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend and always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud but not too loud and as we close we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation always create motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.